Hello, welcome to Mod Midwives, a Metro Midwifery podcast. I'm Gina Gerboff. And I'm Nedra Hale, and we are home birth midwives serving the Denver metro area. Well, we are actually ahead of schedule for the first time in months and months and months. Are we? Oh, because we're doing it on a Saturday. <laughs> Saturday? And we're going to do two. For the, first, for the first time, we are slightly ahead of the game. Emphasis on slightly. That's good because we've got some busy weekends coming up. And yep. So. Yep. We definitely want to minimize our holiday, you know, things that we have to do during the holiday weeks. Mm-hmm. So, so the first thing we're going to talk about is um, structuring your business. So we're going to talk about this is in our um, practical advice for midwifery practice series mm-hmm. that we're running. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to talk about different ways to, uh, or different things you need to consider as you start the business end of setting up a practice. Yeah. And this is definitely your wheelhouse and definitely not my <laughs> wheelhouse. So, <laughs> so I'm excited to learn something. Oh, that I, wow. Don't Did I defer to you? too high. <laughs> um, well, I want to say, first of all, these are just, um, you know, ideas born of experience just working in different businesses and um, my understanding of things. But you should definitely talk to your CPA before you structure your business because you might have needs that are particular and fit better with a certain business structure. Mm-hmm. And so, some of this might be Colorado specific, right? Different right. states have different um, requirements and right. all of that. So right. yeah, so definitely, um, this isn't this is not business advice. Disclaimer, no. disclaimer, disclaimer. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is only this is only us sharing with you what we have done over the years right. in, in different practices. Right. So right, and our understanding of what seems to work well. Yeah. Yeah. So So for the most part, I believe our listenership is um, direct entry midwives. We may though have some nurse midwives that are listening. So I also want to be clear that some of our um, suggestions might be uh, specific to being a direct entry midwife, a CPM, Uh and becoming licensed or registered in your own state, which is a definite different process than it is for Right. CNMs. CNMs have a very different process. So um, mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about licensure much, but just when we do, that's kind of our, that's where we're coming from. Okay. Uh, so, so when you first become a midwife, when mm-hmm. you first pass that NARM exam, <laughs> um, what would be the first thing that you would do once you become um, well, through the North American Registry of Midwives? I'll tell you what I think a lot of people do is just start operating as a sole proprietorship, um, mm-hmm. which is totally fine. It's totally mm-hmm. fine. It's just, um, you know, you basically you're just making your money and then you're reporting it to the IRS and people are paying you directly under your name mm-hmm. and it's fine. It's, um, um, I think it's not quite as good as starting um, under an LLC. So I would think it would be great to start right off the bat with 
-hmm. getting a trade name registered for either yourself or your business name mm -hmm. and um and then forming an llc which um mm -hmm. a cpa could help you with uh, and you can actually do that before you become credentialed and licensed, I believe. Yeah, and I've, I've known people who do that for sure. So, so yeah. that you can kind of secure your name, especially if you're just going to be practicing under your own name in a professional sense. Why not? Mm -hmm. totally or if great. you think of a really good business name. If you think this is the business name yeah. that I want to do. Oh, that would yeah. be another good podcast <laughs> <laughs> coming up How in your business. How to choose a business name. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just like sit around and beat your head against the wall for <laughs> days. <That's how> you... <laughs> days. Try weeks and months yes. and years. Yes. Um, yeah. But if you had an idea and you thought, oh, I really want to secure this, then you have to then register the trade name is what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. So there's a couple of things. So you register the trade name and then you, um, you know, if you want to form another like um, official business structure like an LLC then you would register that as well okay. and um, the benefit of having an LLC is that you have a little bit of protection from um, you know like your assets are protected from uh, people who you know creditors that go after the business and things like that as opposed to if you're just a sole proprietorship you just it's just you and so mm -hmm. Um, so I've heard that if you have an LLC, if you form an LLC and you're operating from or as an LLC, mm -hmm. um, that you are protecting assets like your house. Whereas if somebody were to sue you, they could potentially include your personal property. In right. The lawsuit. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think it's a great thing to do to protect your family mm -hmm. from your business practices. And that's the whole point of it is that you are protecting mm -hmm. your your house and your um, personal bank accounts and so on mm -hmm. from something that happens in your business practices. And you can be a sole proprietor and have an LLC. It doesn't yes. mean that you have to have a, a board or a, anything like that. You, no, in fact, yeah. okay, so an LLC is mostly, is most of the time a single member LLC and mm -hmm. it's just a pass through. So it goes, still goes on your tax return, all of your income and all of that. Um, but if you end up having like taking on another member of your LLC, it essentially becomes a partnership. So it's mm -hmm. a little different, similar in terms of um, protection of assets and all of that, but you're filing under a different tax form and it's a little, it's a little different. Mm -hmm. um, I want to back up just one second to the sure. trade name registration. We, we do that through our secretary of state in Colorado. Mm -hmm. That's, probably true for most states but i'm i'm thinking so what was it uh, in arizona i've registered under three different states and it and it was the same so mm -hmm. okay so to assume it's okay. true <laughs> so do place. your trade name registration <laughs> yes. through the secretary of state and you yeah. um this has to be renewed every year i once accidentally let it lapse because i just sort of hadn't been practicing and just decided to let it go and then in the end, I decided to re-establish it or renew it, reactivate it. I don't know exactly what the word is, but instead of starting a new one, because um, it does, the, on record, it talks about when your business was established. And I think that gives you, um, I don't know, some longevity or credibility mm -hmm. or something uh, mm -hmm. when people go to, go to look up your information. Yeah. 
that's a good point. And it's a very inexpensive thing to renew it. I just had to do my, I keep my other one open and it's $10 Mm -hmm. a year, a year to keep it open. So yeah. Okay. All right. So back to business structure LLC. So we have, we have an LLC. Mm -hmm. We are an LLC and a partnership. Yes. But we filed um, with the IRS to um, request status as an S corporation. So okay. <laughs> that's the next, that's so the next, next level step. Yeah. Okay. And the reason we did that is because we wanted to be able to do payroll, which isn't really that um, it's not really a common thing to do with the LLC. So we, we wanted to be able to pay ourselves as employees, which is really nice because we're having taxes withheld and yay. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. Yeah. And it's a pretty, it's, it's a great structure because, um, you know, you can get workers' comp insurance, you can get um, benefits if you can afford them. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So tell me, tell me, we couldn't just be an S corp without being an LLC, right? We need them both right. there for some reason. And well, what's an that S corp is a, is an election from, from an LLC or a partnership status. So it's, um, so it's not the same as going in like a, you know, like if you were a company that, that produces products and sells them and it's you know like a for-profit corporation you would probably just register as a c corporation or something mm-hmm. similar um so it's uh but so the s corp is like an election for a self-employed person or a small like or a partnership or something like that okay to, to be taxed like a corporation <laughs> okay what does s stand for do you know C. What do the C and the stand for? <laughs> <Google> that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'll look it up while you while you answer the next question, which is: Do any of these things different? <laughs> what does so talk about the withholding taxes because that has been a lifesaver for me this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't in twenty. So let me think about this. This is twenty twenty. We did payroll taxes. 2019, I was okay. In 2018, it was bad. 2017 was okay. So 2017, I had paid all these estimated quarterly taxes for my my own sole proprietor or, you know, LLC sole proprietorship. Mm-hmm. And then overpaid. And then I didn't need to pay estimated quarterly taxes oh, in 2018. No. And then I got just slammed with a huge tax bill that I could not pay all at once. So I had to set up a yeah. payment plan. I mean, it was big. <laughs> it was painful. Yeah. It hurt a lot. And yeah. then of course in 2018, or I'm sorry, 2019, then I was required to pay estimated quarterly taxes and pay this tax bill from the previous year. And it was horrible. And mm-hmm. so that was the first thing when you said something, I remember you saying, well, we could do an S corp and withhold taxes. I was like, yes. Let's do that. So talk about that process a little bit. Like how, how do you, how does that, I I literally have no idea how that works because I don't do it and you do it. With like how the actual, how do you like withhold the payroll and the taxes and everything? Yeah. Um, 
so we use QuickBooks and we um, actually use their service to calculate our taxes for us and pay our taxes for us. So it's pretty easy. Okay. Uh, you can go as basic as using IRS tax tables to um, calculate your taxes. Oh, by the way, you do need to, if you decide to pay yourself as an employee, you would need to get a withholding license and an unemployment insurance license. In some states, it's the same license number or the same application at least. Um, so it just depends on, on what, how they do things. But uh, so yeah, so you can calculate it based on just tax tables. I've worked with companies um, long ago long long ago <laughs> in a galaxy far far away <laughs> i have um, done bookkeeping for companies where we did it like on the ledgers and like, oh, wow <laughs> wow you're just dating yourself <laughs> and you know what i'm gonna tell you something i kind of still like it i don't do it but it's so satisfying to have paper mm -hmm. lenders but anyway <laughs> I believe that about you because whenever you get stressed out you're like I'm just gonna go balance her bank accounts <laughs> as if that's a calming thing to do and I'm it's like true. that is the last thing I would do if I was stressed out. I need out. to organize my brain and then you go reconcile yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay true. so we've established that you're crazy but anyway. <laughs> So yeah, so you you would want to get your withholding license. You would um, want to figure out how you're going to calculate and send in your taxes. And these are really important things to do. If you don't withhold and send in your taxes, you will get in trouble. <laughs> so, so once you decide to do this, you have to do yeah, it. Yeah, you do need to do it on time. And different states have different penalties um, for not filing on time. So in some of them, like Oregon is really mean to you if you don't file on time. So just do it. Um, and, uh, but if I would definitely suggest paying the 30 bucks a month to get, to have QuickBooks do it for you. Mm -hmm. It's just like totally worth it. Mm -hmm. And then you just have to, you, I, we still have to go through the motions of making sure it, that they're doing it, but it's, but they, you know, do most of it. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. That sounds good. I just looked it up. Mm -hmm. S Corp and C Corp are, um, they're the chapter C and the chapter S of the sub chapter C and S of the uh, tax code. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> they don't actually stand for anything. They're just in there. So the traditional corporations, the C Corp, and then the, mm -hmm. and then the S Corp is the election. Mm -hmm. Like you see. So, so there you go. Sorry, I thought it'd be something. So that it, clever, would be, but <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was nothing meaningful whatsoever. <laughs> okay, good. Um, one thing I would also mention when you first get, well, once you pass the NARM exam, you also need to start the process of applying for your state license. Different mm -hmm. states have different requirements. You want to know all about this be long before you've taken the exam so that you know what to do and you can hit the ground running. Because sometimes there's things like you might have to have documentation of CPR being up to date or neonatal resuscitation, or you might have other continuing education requirements. I know um, Washington has a number of additional requirements that you have to demonstrate that you've been able to fulfill in order to get their state license. I mean, things like taking epidemiology and things like that. So there might be classes other than what was covered under the basic NARM process um, mm -hmm. that you have to do. So 
So definitely familiarize yourself with your state licensing rules. Um, but yeah. applying for that license as soon as you can is, of course, helpful. Definitely. Uh, and then there's also the NPI. Do you want to talk about the NPI a little bit? Yeah. So the NPI is what um, identifies you as a healthcare provider in the insurance world, basically. So it's um, it's on everything. It's on like when you sign up for a lab account. Um, I mean, everything, everything. So definitely. And if you want to bill insurance, you have to have it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they ask, they ask it also if you want to refer to certain places. So like the ultrasound place or the lab, the lab account or um, yeah. many places like that require it for, to be able to accept your referrals. Yes. Yeah. So that stands for national provider identifier is what that is. So, and what is the website's N? I'll look that up too. NPI application. It is, I haven't changed it for so long. Oh, another thing to think about is you, oh, NPPES. Okay. It's NPPES.CMS.HHS.gov. So it's a health and human services identifier. You, If you move, you need to remember to update that. If you yes. change your licensure status, you have to update it, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could find mine. I mean, I don't know if I could find my login. It's been a long time since I've looked at I'm it. I'm going to just tell you it was a giant pain in the butt to change mine. And I still had my address on it from Phoenix before I moved like three moves ago. <laughs> <laughs> Not from Phoenix, but from Parker. And, oh. um, and I kept, I kept trying to change it and they would only change the, like the contact address, but not my address address. So I finally had to do it on paper. Like I couldn't oh even, goodness. I had, they, they had a form you could, you could send in by mail and that's how I finally accomplished it. Oh my goodness. What a pain. <laughs> yeah. So that, that number is critical, mm -hmm. um, critical to keep, um, updated. Um, and then also an EIN. Talk about an EIN. Ah, okay. So, yeah, so that's your um, employer identification number, which you're going to get asked for that all the time, even if you're not an employer. It's like your business number. Mm -hmm. So when you form your LLC, you'll want to get an EIN and you apply for that through the um, IRS website. It's very easy. You get it the same day. The same second, like, really. Like they five just minutes like, later. Yeah, like yeah. five seconds <laughs> they later. They just generate it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's really important to do that because um, anytime you get paid, people might ask for your EIN. For example, like you said, insurance reimbursement or even those cost sharing programs that people have for insurance. Um, and if you don't have an EIN, you have to give people your social security number. Mm -hmm. So right. it's really important from a privacy perspective perspective. And when I did go through my slacker period of not bothering to set up all my stuff, mm -hmm. as I was transitioning locations, I had to give out my social security number to people. And I realized that was a giant, nice. giant hazard. I did that too for a while. I build under my social and stuff. And now it doesn't feel comfortable. No. When I was in college, it was our student ID number, the whole thing. <laughs> and that's why I'll never forget mine I'll never forget Jason's because that's how you did all your stuff in college yeah, yeah. wow crazy. I know crazy um good what else do you need to get started mm -hmm. 
probably need a bank account and oh, yeah. I don't know if we've already talked about that but um bank account savings account and um and then you have to set up all the things which I don't know I, we probably talked about some of this before but we did we talked about lab accounts and all of that I think yeah we talked a little bit about it but I think it's good to talk about I think it's good to cover it a little bit so a business bank account is really important do you want to talk a little bit about again at one point I didn't do that either. And it was really, tricky. yeah, it was really hard. This yeah. is like a lesson in things that Gina didn't do properly. I mean, you want to keep your business money separate from your personal money as much as possible. So it's, um, yeah, you definitely want business bank accounts, even if you're just a sole proprietor, it's still, still something that you want. Yeah. And, um, those you generally have to go down to the bank to set up and it, sometimes they're hard to do online, but it probably depends on what's happening and what bank it is. Mm -hmm. But you probably need an EIN to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Having that checking and savings account is really nice because midwifery, especially when you start a new practice, mm -hmm is pretty feast and famine. And so it's really nice to have a little money put aside for your obligations. It is nice. Yeah. So we try to keep a cushion in the savings account and, you know, and of course we have to pay assistance and that kind of stuff. So we try to put the assistant money aside and it has saved us a couple of times. <laughs> All right. Yes. Definitely. And I think it's good. Our general plan, it does, maybe it doesn't always work out like this, but our plan is that when somebody pays their deposit, that goes into savings. And then that mm -hmm. is kind of the money that gets put aside for those um, expenses right. down the road. So it's, right. there's no chance that we'll forget to do it later or not get around mm -hmm. to it. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, good. Um, well, what else? What else besides mm. thinking about... I mean, I think it's mostly, you know, we've talked about you assuming you're getting your CPM, whatever your national credential is, and then your state license, and then um, a trade name, your NPI, an EIN, your business structure, and thinking about your bank account. I guess like, oh, lab accounts. You had started to talk about mm -hmm. lab accounts. Lab accounts, um, ultrasound, facility accounts, fax mm -hmm. number. <laughs> phone oh, yeah, number <laughs> right right there's a lot of things yeah so you want a phone number that's not your cell which i think we've talked about before and a, an online fax number yes you will fax things all the time and receive faxes all the time whether you think there's you no way that. to no that's how that's how yeah. medical practices send documents back and forth usually so mm -hmm. so you want to want to have that and it's just all online you don't need an actual fax machine <laughs> mm -hmm. and then I guess in the same vein is that it's not necessarily a business startup expense but you should be thinking about how you're going to do your record keep your documentation so we like electronic health records mm -hmm. um, there's a number of different programs out there um, right now we're using maternity neighborhood and I like that a lot um, mm -hmm. there's pros and cons depending on your preferences and your practice size and the number yes. of providers and all of that but um or you might just use paper charts but just know that that's less and less the norm these days electronic records yeah. are 
I mean, and I love charting on paper. It is like, it's just so nice, but it's really inconvenient when you are transferring somebody or you're referring somebody to another provider or anything like that. And you have to mm-hmm. scan and, and email, which you can't do if you're transferring to a hospital in labor. So you actually have to hand over your chart to somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> and hope that they go make the copies that they're supposed right, to do. And hope you get it back. Yeah. So it's, um, definitely the modern way of doing things to do it with it's also app. required for some like for med uh, in order to be per, uh, reimbursed by medicaid you have to have electronic records okay, so mm-hmm. we don't have the ability to be reimbursed by medicaid so it's not a yeah. requirement for us but so that's not necessarily business structure, but it's definitely something to think about as you're setting up your business. And it is, it is challenging. I of course started on paper because that was what was, that's all that there was when I mm-hmm. started It's probably same as you. And I agree. It's very um, tactile to write. I love to write on paper, but, um, but then when I switched over, I had to somehow digitize all my charts and it, I wasn't very busy before I had to do that, but I know people who have had to do Oh yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of charts. Yes. It's such and a, it's pain. a pain. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So those are just some considerations to think about. Um, you know, everybody has, everybody has their own preferences and things that uh-huh. they want to prioritize and think about, but that's kind of the, I think that's the bare bones of things that you need to think about when you're setting up your practice. Yeah, and I would definitely suggest early on getting set up with a CPA and a business attorney too, you know, mm-hmm. just, um, and you don't, you don't have to like talk to your business attorney all the time, but it helps to have great um, somebody advice. to check in with, you know, depending on your, on your structure, you might need to do, um, well, all the structures have to do annual filings, which you can probably do on your own, but a lot of businesses have their attorney do their filings for them so that it's all Mm-hmm. you know, done in the official way. <laughs> yeah. And you, you mentioned QuickBooks too for tax withholding, but it does bear mentioning that QuickBooks makes it easier to do a lot of things like your taxes at the end of the year. Yeah. So you need to think about your income taxes, which again is, is nice to have a CPA for, but the, but QuickBooks, if you're going to use, um, if you're going to do your taxes yourself and you use something like TurboTax, it just translates right over to TurboTax. But even your CPA can usually receive your QuickBooks file and work in it very easily. Yeah, that's, I'm embarrassed to tell you how I did that too. This is really <laughs> just a big lesson for me because I didn't do so many things. So, you know, um, yeah, yeah, that's great. So hopefully this helps somebody and, um, you know, just, I was just surprised at how many things that just so many bases that you have to cover when you first get started. So yes, lots. All right. Well, have a great week, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player and follow us on your favorite social media at Metro Midwifery. Yes. Um, Yeah. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.